welcome to the Board Shorts podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Cook, and I'm here with another easy-to-digest dose of valuable board and company director-related information designed to help you to get on board and thrive in the boardroom. Welcome to episode 30. I'm so excited for the podcast to be celebrating its 30th episode. Thank you so much for being here. Whether you're a new listener or a longtime fan, I really appreciate you tuning in and supporting this podcast. Now, today's conversation is something that I was inspired to record as I was actually scrolling through my website analytics and came across what has been a long-time popular article. And it was actually published first in July 2014, so we're going back some time. And this article is all about understanding the various types of boards that are out there in the board space. So that's what I'm breaking down for you in this episode. So you get a bit of an understanding about the different types of boards that you may come across uh, early on in your board career as you're starting out or as you're starting to transition to paid boards. It kind of helps you to know what's out there and also what the differences are and what the similarities are between these various types of boards. Now, Before we jump in, I do want to remind you that the information that I always provide is general in nature and the list that I'm sharing with you today is absolutely not exhaustive. Um, So if you ever have any questions about your particular circumstance, your position, your board and or your organization that I really do encourage you to seek out some professional legal advice that makes sense to you. Okay, with that said, let's get into the conversation today. On the Get On Board Australia website, I like to use the term director and board member interchangeably to really include everyone who is part of that top leadership, that top responsibility and accountability body in any type of organization. And I refer to that body of people, that group of individuals as a board. So why do I do that? Well, really where it comes from is because I feel that it's best practice for for you, for anyone who's getting into the board space to approach any board or committee role as if they had the responsibilities and duties as you would a company director. If you can think of that, and we will get into that a little bit, as having the greatest level of responsibility and duties and care then if you're operating at that highest level, the chances are that you'll bring that perspective, you'll bring that view, you'll bring that mindset into other boards as well that may not have that same level of responsibility as a um, 
technical, legally defined company director. And that will make more sense as you listen to the episode. So please don't worry if you feel a little bit lost already. (laughs) Now, whilst there are some differences between each of these various groups or bodies, the requirements and expectations placed on them can be quite similar, even though they're coming from different pieces of legislation. So whichever table you sit at, I'm aiming to introduce you to each of the features and main responsibilities of some of the most common groups that you will encounter as you begin and progress your board career. So first on our list is the board of directors. And a board of directors consists of people elected by a company's shareholders or appointed by the other company directors and current board members to be responsible for the performance of the organization and its compliance, along with various other responsibilities. Whether a for-profit organization, so normally referred to as a company, or a not-for-profit and usually a company limited by guarantee, which without getting into a legislation conversation (laughs) is generally how not-for-profits that operate nationally are structured. So whether you're a for-profit or a not-for-profit, the board of directors is responsible for the sound and prudent governance of the organisation, ensuring the system of structures, rights, duties and obligations by which the corporations are directed and controlled meet legal and ethical requirements. So when we hear someone say the board or the board of directors, this is usually that group of people that that we think of that we're referring to. And these boards and directors are governed by the Corporations Act. And of course, that's here in Australia. That's a 2001 federal legislation. So it applies to... Um, Every organisation across Australia that is, uh, I guess, registered under that, their company structure brings that organisation under the Corporations Act. So we are not going to get into a big legislation conversation, maybe for another day, um, but just to know that boards of directors normally come uh, with companies and those companies normally are um, registered or incorporated under that Corporations Act. And people who sit on a board are called company directors normally. As I mentioned, this is general. So they're either referred to as executive directors and these are people who work in the business and serve as a company director. Or they're known as non-executive directors. So these are people external to the company. They're not employed in a specific role in this company that they serve as a company director. So they're non-executive directors. And they have a range of expectations and responsibilities that come along with being a company director. And that's all you need to know for now because we're not going to get into a conversation about Uh, duties and responsibilities, expectations of company directors. I'll probably cover those in a future podcast episode. So that's the board of directors with a company. 
The next group of people we're going to talk about is a board of trustees. And this board of trustees is very similar to a board of directors. Um, they are just governing a trust rather than a company. So you may likely see boards of trustees that are attached to organisations um, that are really there for a public good. So if you think of things like museums, universities, large government-owned public facilities like botanic gardens and parklands, um, charities, and some financial services organisations as well, these usually have a board of trustees attached to them. So the website Investopedia gives a very simple explanation for this type of board saying, and I quote, the board of trustees will be responsible for holding in trust the funds, assets or property that belong to others with a fiduciary duty to protect them. And in this, we find that that's very similar to a board of directors and you may find the two terms used interchangeably in some organisations as well. That's why it pays for you to be asking the question around the corporate structure so that you understand where your duties and responsibilities are coming from. Because unlike the Corporations Act, each state has its own trustee legislation that defines the duties, responsibilities, rights, powers, and other requirements of trustees. So that's why it helps for you to know where they're coming from. So the next group that we're going to be looking at is uh, sometimes called a management committee, sometimes a board of management, sometimes just a committee, or even sometimes known as a council. And I don't want you to confuse that with your local municipal council and councillors. Council just meaning that group of people. Um, so a management committee, which is the term we're going to use today, consists of people who have been elected by an organisation's members to represent and advance their interests in general. So management committees are usually found in smaller organisations such as not-for-profits and sporting clubs. So not-for-profits that operate within a certain area, usually a particular state. Not to be confused with national operating not-for-profits, which are companies limited by guarantee that were covered in that first section around boards of directors. So members of a management committee will have very similar legal expectations and responsibilities as a quote-unquote traditional company director. However, these duties will come from a different piece of legislation, and that is usually the relevant state and territory-based incorporated associations legislation. And depending on the organisation structure, um, these duties and responsibilities in a really simplified, generalised way are kind of like a diluted version of the Corporations Act duties and responsibilities. Um, so what I mean by that is, for example, breaches of the various responsibilities under the incorporated associations legislation carry reduced penalties relative to the Corporations Act. So you can still get into a lot of trouble 
but maybe not as much trouble if you were a company director of a corporation. Of course, that's generalized and I don't want you to get in trouble anywhere for anything, (laughs) but it's important for you to know um, those duties and responsibilities are coming from yet another piece of legislation and that's a state-based legislation with incorporated associations. So the roles and responsibilities of a committee of management, which is usually the terminology used in the incorporated associations legislation, they're not dissimilar to that of a board of directors. However, what you'll find in management committees is that the members are probably going to have a greater role in the day-to-day activities of the organisation, as well as being the governors and the overseers, because of these organisations' size and their access to um, limited resources. So you'll find uh, in sporting clubs, which is where I started my board career, is that not only are you uh, serving on that board or management committee as a committee member, but you're also then responsible for doing things. I had a role in fundraising. I had a role in communications. I was doing a lot of emails and things like that and fundraising personally as well. So you're also um, the doer as much as you're the overseer and governor. (laughs) So it's an interesting uh, role to have those two involved in. Okay, the next one is advisory boards. So A definition for an advisory board is a group of people, usually skilled professionals, who have been selected, like handpicked by a business owner um, or a senior business leader to advise and support them on their organisation and what they're going to be doing with the business and run ideas past them and get their insight and perspective um, from their area of expertise. And Because of this kind of informal advisory, it's in the title, role, these types of boards are usually what I'm going to call unofficial. And what I mean by that is they're not made up of formalized company directors who have been registered and listed with the company. So as a company director of this particular company through ASIC, Um, or through the ACNC if it's a larger not-for-profit. So because of this, advisory board members do not generally have authority to vote on corporate matters, nor do they carry a legal fiduciary responsibility. They really are there to give advice to the business owner, and it's really up to that business owner what they do with that advice. So they're not directly regulated under the Corporations Act or in corporate governance codes. However, it's important to note that if you're acting and behaving like a governance board, like a company director, if you decide to try and circumvent some rules and some legislation by calling yourself an advisory board or an advisor, It won't matter if something goes wrong within the organisation. You're going to be looked at through the eyes of the law as a company director if that's how you've been behaving. So whether you're a company director or not is more about a matter of 
function rather than title. So if you are being brought into an advisory board setting to really do your due diligence to make sure that the stuff that that board is doing is not going outside the bounds of that advisory purpose. You're not getting into governance. You're not getting into um, oversight of certain organization aspects. So keep that in mind. But advisory boards can also be known as corporate advisory boards, business advisory boards, or small business advisory boards. All right, now we're going to look at some board committees or subcommittees. Um, sometimes just referred to as committees and not to be confused with management committees. So this is where we start to um, see the same terminology being used in two different settings within the board space just to make it extra confusing. Um, but a board committee is a group of people to whom some specific role or purpose has been delegated to them by the main board. Uh, so you'll, you'll usually find board committees in companies. So where there's a board that calls themselves a board, they'll have board committees. Um, you'll find the term subcommittee being used usually with incorporated associations that have a management committee, which is why that subcommittee comes into it. Um, so that explains the different terminology. These committees uh, are really established to build the, the expertise and lessen the workload of the full board. So the role of committees is usually to research, review and make recommendations and advise the board on specific matters. Uh, and that's as far as they go. They usually don't have uh, authority to make decisions or really do anything. Uh, usually they're there to make recommendations that the main board does or doesn't adopt. Um, these committees, board committees or subcommittees, are generally made up of the board members um, or the, the management committee members. Um, however, committees can also have independent members, so non-board members who just serve on that committee. Uh, this is usually, whether a board can do that or not, is usually written into its constitution. So it may be worth checking in there if that's something uh, that you're looking to either become part of yourself uh, or whether you have a board that's looking to start committees, that's where you'll see that authority and ability to do so. So committees themselves have limited authority, power and responsibilities, and each committee therefore, should really be operating under its own charter or its own terms of reference. And if you don't have one, uh, that's probably the first thing on your to-do list. <laughs> but that's also if you're evaluating uh, whether you want to join a committee of a board or a subcommittee to be checking in on that terms of reference as well. And as I mentioned, the board retains the ultimate responsibility for any actions made by the committee, but usually committees really are there just to make recommendations for the board to adopt or not. Now, what do we mean uh, when we say committees? Well, common committee types that you're probably going to encounter uh, with companies, these can include an audit committee, a risk management committee, or sometimes just a risk committee, 
Remuneration Committee, Compliance Committee, Nominations Committee and Governance Committee and, of course, anything else um, that the organisation deems appropriate to set up and establish and have to support the board in its work. Uh, On the other hand, with incorporated associations um, and smaller organisations that are part of that management committee, you'll find common subcommittees that involve fundraising, marketing, strategy, finance, um, the certain junior or senior teams, if it's sporting, uh, race day or competition committees and membership committees and things like that. Again, that list is exhaustive as well. There's no um, certain types of committees that are legislated. I know if you're a sporting organisation, there's probably your state-based office for sport and recreation or similar across the country that do have uh, recommendations around clubs that operate locally as an incorporated association that good governance is to have certain types of subcommittees. So always check with that as well. Uh, But that's committees and subcommittees. The last one I want to touch on is something I'm going to call representative groups. And there's groups of people who kind of from the outside look and act like a board in some ways, but that they don't really have any governance responsibilities and they're not really a board committee either. And these you'll see um, in state or particular region-based uh, bodies who are there to support really a local uh, arm or local division or local representation of an organisation. Um, and really what those groups are there for is to provide on-the-ground help. Um, Sometimes they'll have employed people working in that particular region and they'll have this group of people, this representative group there to help them through doing things like fundraising and inviting people to big events, representing the organisation in meetings and other such activities. And these don't fit neatly into our board or committee structures But they're important groups of people for that organisation and the purpose that that has. And they're also great places for you to gain some board type experience. Um, With these representative groups, it's really important that they're not getting into that governance role, as I talked about with advisory boards, um, and that they do just stay there in that realm of just supporting and um, helping that person or that organisation within that particular area with whatever it is that they need to be doing. So it helps for you to be aware um, of where this group of people is getting their authority um, and what type of structure, what is its mandate. I think with any group of people, it helps to have that um, documentation that that really sets out what its purpose is and what the roles of the individual members are for so that you can do your own due diligence um, about that and really assess whether it's something you want to be a part of. So to wrap up, all of these groups have significant differences, yet a lot of similarities. 
Um, However, through the eyes of the law, if something goes wrong, it can be viewed through quite a narrow spectrum. And really that does depend on the circumstances of the issue that happens. Um, So be wary of that. Anyone who sits on any of these groups or any of these bodies needs to keep in mind that even though they may not be an official company director, if they have similar responsibilities and undertake similar activities to a company director, the chances are that you'll likely be perceived as one and have the same expectations and accountability under the relevant legislation. Like we say, if it walks like a duck and sounds like a duck, it's probably a duck. But at the end of the day, I recommend approaching any board or committee role as a director bearing the same duties and responsibilities that you'll find in the Corporations Act. Thank you so much for listening today. If you haven't already, I invite you to subscribe, rate and review the Board Shorts podcast on your favourite podcast app. And please feel free to share that you're listening and what your takeaways are from this episode on social media using the hashtag Board Shorts Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to talking with you in the next episode.